Our scripture this morning comes from Mark's gospel. And this is such a wonderful scripture, and it reminds me of children. But hear the text from Mark's gospel this morning. Chapter 10, verses 35 through 45. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? Or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They replied, We are able. Then Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant. But it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and hearing of God's word. Let us pray. Father God, forgive us when we act like James and John, vying for position and favor. Lord, make us humble so that we may be the kind of servant that you have called us all to be. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, I grew up the oldest of three girls. And anytime we would go riding in the family car, whether it was to go to the grocery store with my mom or whether it was to go on vacation, you would hear these words, I got door. I got door. But you had door last time. It's my turn. We were always trying to call for the seats by the door. We all wanted those seats so that we could sit and look out over the window. Look out the window and to see the sights. And if you know anything about sitting in the middle of the back seat, there's not a whole lot that you get to see from that vantage point. But then there were other times in our house at bath time, my mom drew the bath water, and she would bathe all three of us. 
in the same bath water, one at a time. So again, you would hear the words when mom began to draw the bath water, me first, me first, because we all wanted the clean bath water, right? As I studied our text for today, those images and those words and sometimes those arguments came flooding to my mind as I read the text of James and John, brothers of Zebedee, sons of Zebedee, as they tried to jockey for their positions with Jesus. They weren't too different than anybody else. We all want to feel important, do we not? Sometimes we desperately need to feel favored, to feel loved, to feel special. They wanted that same thing. They wanted to be the favorites. They wanted to be seen as different from all of the other disciples. They wanted the special seat. Can you imagine that seat by that particular window? They wanted to sit one on Jesus' right and one on Jesus' left. And these brothers, they were smart. You could tell they had done this kind of thing before. Because what they did was they waited till Jesus was off kind of by himself. And then they went to him when he was alone just to ask his favor. Jesus, I can just see him shaking his head as they asked this question. He had just told the disciples for the third time, for the third time, mind you, he had told the disciples what was going to happen when they got to Jerusalem. We're going up to Jerusalem, Jesus tells his disciples, beginning in verse 33. And the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priest and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him, and kill him. Three days later, he will rise from the dead. Three times he shared this with the disciples. Makes you wonder what they heard. Did they skip over the part where he would be tortured and killed? Did they hear only that he would rise again, not even knowing what that meant? But patient as he was, Jesus moved to set them straight yet again. And as the other disciples that were there began to hear snippets of their conversation, 
You see, they were smart too. They figured out really quickly what the brothers were trying to do. And they became very vocal with their disgust. And as usual, the disciples just didn't get it. They were hearing Jesus' words, but they were not getting his point. How many times are you and I guilty of that very same thing? We read and we hear God's word, but we put our own spins to it, and we never truly get the point that is being made. They didn't really understand about the kingdom to come. Did that mean on earth? Did it mean in heaven? And they surely didn't understand what was about to really happen to Jesus once they reached Jerusalem. And they most certainly did not get the part about servanthood, which was so obvious from their vying for position. And I guess... If we were to really think about it and be honest about it, you and I probably don't get it either sometimes. It's hard for us to hear Jesus' words about servanthood, isn't it? I got to go too. <laughs> We, too, can be followers of Jesus Christ. We can walk with Jesus. We can talk with Jesus. We can even hang out with each other, Jesus' friends. But we really still don't always get the point of his message. We can use the right religious words. We can use our church language, if you will. But we still don't understand that very basic lesson of life that Jesus was trying to teach. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. Not only do we, like the disciples, want to be special, we want to be the best, don't we? We live in a culture that encourages us to be the best, that encourages self-promotion, if you will. A culture that worships fame and status. A society that values only winning and being number one. doing something just 
for fun or simply for the pleasure of the work itself seems to have lost its meaning. I challenge you this morning to think about something that you used to do that you did for fun. But that has now become some kind of push or competition, be it against yourself or be it against others. Today, if we aren't winning awards or being named MVP or GOAT, first time I heard that term, I thought, what in the world is a GOAT? I wasn't sure I wanted to be one of those. But then I heard it to find out it's an acronym for greatest of all time. Greatest of all time. So if those aren't your goals, what's the point of doing what you do? Activities that used to just be fun for kids are now pressure cookers of tension and anxiety thanks to the pressure that is put on them by their parents or their coaches or the fans. Way back, Bill umpired Little League ball, softball for girls. And let me tell you, they can be ugly. <laughs> it is a no-win situation and it has become so competitive so competitive that I don't see how in the world it can be fun for our kids anymore. But Jesus calls us to be different. He calls us to be different. He calls us, if you will, to go against the grain, to swim this way when everybody else is swimming that way. He shows us a different way of being. He shows us, not just tells us. He lived the difference. For Jesus, it was all about being a faithful servant. It was all about being a faithful servant. It's about the work itself, not the reward. I think I shared with you a year or so ago, I, one of my devotionals in the morning is on the computer, is the U version of Scripture. And when, when you go and do this U version of Scripture, it tells you how many days in a row that you have read and opened up the Scripture and read the devotional. And it, not only the days, it tells you how many weeks. And I got so caught up in making sure that every day was ticked off and that I could say at the end of 52 weeks that I had read that every single day, I lost sight of what I was reading to begin with. I lost sight that I was trying to read and study and understand God's Word 
it had become a competition between me, myself, and I. So these days, some days I just intentionally <laughs> don't read two days in a row. <laughs> just so I can focus on what God needs me to focus on. What was important for Jesus was kingdom work, God's kingdom. Jesus says that our true worth lies in our relationships, our relationship with God, our relationship with others, and the work that he has called us to do, the work that he has called us to do. By being faithful to those things, those relationships with God, with others, and to the work that he's called us to, that is where we find our true worth as human beings, as children of God. In the book, I Am Second, you hear the stories from real people. Some famous, some that you've never heard of before. People who looked like they had it all and then lost it. Those people who reached the end of their strength who reached the end of their control and what they found were some amazing truths. These truths taught them not to rely on self. Now, if that's not countercultural, I don't know what is. How many of us have always heard that? Well, if you don't promote yourself, or if you're not in it for yourself, nobody else is going to be. What these people learned, and hopefully what you and I learn daily, it's not important to lean on self, to depend on self, but to lean on the only, the only reliable source of love, of hope, of freedom. And that is found in our relationship with God. Through Jesus' way of doing and thinking, we can be freed from that rat race that we find ourselves in. And some of you may be thinking, well, I'm retired. I'm not in that rat race anymore. I beg to differ because I know you retired folks here at Red Ridge. You guys are way busier than we've ever been, those of us who are still working. So yes, you too are still a part of that rat race. We were created not to lord it over another person, but to really 
see each other as individuals, as worthwhile, as valuable, as people with dignity and a place in the world. When we really, truly see each other's that way, each other that way, it becomes easy to be a servant. Think about all the things that you do for other people here inside the walls of the church. Think about the calls that you make to each other. Checking on, had someone this this morning. Can I get so-and-so's number so that we can call and check on them? Cards are sent. Meals are fixed. The list goes on and on and on. And if you have been a part of the Grateful Bread ministry that we do here at the church, that was part of the intent when they started so that individuals could get to know each other beyond just sitting beside them on Sunday mornings. And the way they do that is biblical. They share a meal together. I have been in some wonderful Grateful Bread groups. I have learned things about you guys that I would never learn as I stand up here and you sit there. But when we sit down together and we share a meal, when we share fellowship and laughter and conversation, you truly do get to know each other on a different level. When you really get to see each other you began to learn a person's value. And can you imagine what it would be like if you took that same kind of care that we take here at Red Ridge to take care of each other, and if we take it out in the community? I don't want to embarrass anyone, but Mr. Johnny, and his brother sitting here on the front pool, on this front pew. He's been cleaning our cemetery, the headstones. Now, how many of you have stopped to have a conversation with Mr. Johnny and his brother? We put them to work on Friday because they came and helped at Brown Bag. Yet another way to get to know each other and to learn what someone is like. Imagine if we did that in the community where you are, whether it be on the street that you live, whether it be through the businesses that you participate with and you support. If you took the time to get to know. I know I've learned a whole lot standing in line at Jim's pharmacy waiting on a prescription talking to the other people in line instead of standing there with my gaze going everywhere but eye to eye. When we truly come to see each other 
as valuable individuals, it's easy to encourage, to lift up, and to support each other. Because we begin to recognize the gifts and the talents that everyone has. You know, living life in and through the Holy Spirit, it's full of contradictions. It's full of contradictions. It's only when we are free of that desperate need to be number one. It's only when we are free from the fears that hold us back that we find who we truly are. What our real self-worth is. What our sense of accomplishment is. What our vocation is. What our true gifts are. Our own life of self-giving leads us right on to eternal life. Living with the one who lived it the best, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So as we leave this morning, I hope that we remember the lesson from James and John that it's not about being first or being number one. It's about each and every one of us taking our place in God's kingdom. In taking our place as God's servants, loving and serving all of those around us. It's about being last so that someone else can be first. That is Jesus' way of living and doing. And that, my friends, is worship that works. I want to close this morning with some very familiar words from St. Francis of Assisi. And this is one verse of several but I think you'll get the point. Let us pray. O oh, Divine Master, grant that we may not seek so much to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen and amen.